0: You're on Radio 1, 91FM, overgrown New Zealand's one and only cannabis-themed radio show. And uh, we're happy to have with us on the phone now Grant Hall, the general manager of the STAR Trust. That stands for Social Tonics Advocacy and Research Trust. And he's been in the news quite a lot lately discussing synthetic cannabis how are you this evening mm. grant good evening abe how are you great how, how are you great to have you with us thanks for taking yeah. the time yeah look my pleasure and
1: um you know well done having a show like this it's uh, it's nice to see you guys down there are still being so proactive and uh, keeping the word out there
0: yeah well that's what we try to do and you know i mean it's it's really uh Great to have you on the show because we have a lot of questions and, of course, um, not a day goes by that we don't read something about uh, synthetic cannabis in the newspaper, especially down here with the ODT. And, of course, you can't have existed within the New Zealand cannabis culture uh, in the last couple of years and not have, you know, uh, sort of encountered the phenomenon of chronic Uh, or K2, the synthetic cannabinoids. This seems to be relatively unique, uh, the New Zealand situation uh, throughout the world. I mean, is that the case? Is that just the perception? Uh, Um, Tell us a little bit about the context of how we came to get these these strange drugs.
1: Yeah, look, New Zealand isn't unique in that there's a lot of synthetic cannabis available to the local marketplace, but it is unique in that we're at a very special time in the history of drug policy in this country, and that we are about to enter a phase whereby we're the first country in the world to actually have a licensed legal highs industry that's approved and regulated by the government. And um, it's called the uh, New Psychoactive Substances Bill, and probably I'm sure lots of listeners have heard about that one too. And what it means is that if you can prove a product is low risk, and that standard still hasn't been exactly defined by the government, but we do expect that to come out shortly, if you, if you can prove that low risk is there, um, you can get a license to sell that product legally in this country, and that ends the sort of cat, cat and mouse, what they call the, the chemical roundabout where the government's sort of continuously chasing down these new cannabis as they come out and then of course a new one comes out a new one comes out that's been going on for 15 years uh not just here but overseas as well so look kiwis love cannabis i mean you know that abe um mm. we're one of the highest consumers uh, i think australia is very similar but the antipodeans love their cannabis and of course if you're a law-abiding citizen the only option you have today Is a synthetic cannabinoid. Um, and you and I would both agree that's probably not as safe as the natural option. Um, in fact, I'm on record of saying that. And of course, the other thing that you and I would both agree on, I'm sure many listeners as well, is that prohibition, in other words, cannabis, by being a, um, scheduled, under the misuse of drug, by being a scheduled drug, that's kind of created this market, the pseudo market of the synthetic alternative. It's quite ironic, isn't it, that the trying to protect the public from a natural product has brought about this, uh, the rise of the synthetic alternative, which potentially is more harmful than the natural option. Yeah. So, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting situation we're in, isn't it?
0: Well, and that's that's very much how I perceived it as well. I mean, basically, um, as you said, you know, New Zealanders love cannabis, and those who are afraid to break the law um you know would yeah. like some alternative and you yeah. know certain entrepreneurial people uh several mm. years ago identified uh, this mm. open market and essentially uh yeah um filled identified the, the yeah ex- filled the gap and identified uh the structure of the legislation such mm. that they have been able to continue to sell it and the mm. interesting thing to me um was you know initially at least i guess uh probably first we had spice And then we had the original Chronic, and it wasn't until the original Chronic, um, sort of, the branding just resonated, and it really, really (laughs) took off that we saw this moral panic. But prior to that, there was several years of quite open, widespread sales of, um, you know, synthetic cannabis type products, not only in sort of head shops like Cosmic, but, uh, dairies Mm -hmm. as well. And nobody seemed to bat an eye. And for those of us in the cannabis culture, it was, um, in many respects shocking, but also heartening because it did seem to set a precedent that, you know, we could have, these type of, you know, herbal, smokable substances for the purpose of recreational intoxication, widely available, and the sky wouldn't fall. Of course, it seemed to... um, Go over the edge, I guess, specifically here in Dunedin. And, I, you know, uh, well, many of our listeners will know because I harp on about it week after week. But uh, (laughs) not not a lot of people will know that most of the banning of these synthetic substances has been actually driven from Dunedin through the National Poison Center, through the ODT. And it wasn't until we started seeing lines around the block at a popular North Dunedin dairy here that we actually... Got these um, horror stories, you know, very reminiscent mm. of, um, mm. you know, drug scares throughout the decades. Yeah. You know, uh, strange-looking people taking strange right. substances. Yeah. The original reefer madness. Now it's synthetic reefer madness. That's um, right. And very similar. Great analogy, actually, Abe. Right? How, how do you feel participating in all this i mean you've you've sort of had to play the voice of reason uh m- yeah. best evidenced on uh last week's t v three the vote um That's but right. you know you're sort of like I picture you know you and Leo Shep sort of locked in this uh <laughs> star wars esque battle of uh good versus yeah. evil you know you can pick who is on which side depending on your That's uh, right. preferences but <laughs>
1: Well look, with the, I mean the Star Trust is a non-profit NGO that does two things, right? It advocates for drug policy reform and it also funds research into using psychoactive to treat ailment and addiction and you know if we get the time um, perhaps we could talk about some of the research we're actually funding in Dunedin itself uh, using Ibogaine to treat uh, addiction and that looks very promising and we're really excited about being involved in that but the drug policy reform issue goes right across the board and this is because this is such a unique time I mean the reality is with this bill if we can make this bill work there's this is the best opportunity we we've got to not only just decriminalise cannabis, but also to legalise it. Because all we have to do is change one clause in this bill to allow a scheduled product, a scheduled commodity, to be put through this testing regime and then approved and licensed. So, you know, like, this is the best chance we've ever had. If we can make this bill work, And it works true to its original intention, which means it's not prohibition. It does actually license things, and we have them controlled, sold through licensed retail premises, not dairies. R18, very strictly enforced. If it's a success, this will be the template for the rest of the world, I can tell you, because a lot of countries around the world are looking at New Zealand and saying, is this the answer, is this the solution to all of these new psychoactives that are coming into the market that they really aren't prepared or even able to deal with um, legislatively? So it's very interesting times, Abe. And uh, my position, morally, personally, representing and advocating in this area is that it's a human rights issue. And for us, I believe in educated free choice. So humans have for millennia always desired altered states of consciousness. It's a natural human desire. So if that's true, then you should have the right to choose how you achieve that But at the same time, you should also have access to very good information so you can do it in a safe way or or at least to the maximum amount of harm minimization possible. So that's an education thing, educated free choice. Um, Using the criminal justice system to address uh, any kind of drug abuse is... Health with danger and scientifically proven to cause more harm. So we believe it's a health and welfare issue, not a criminal justice issue, and it's a human right to have access to safer alternatives to dangerous legal highs, like, for example, alcohol and tobacco, that uh, many listeners will agree kills thousands of New Zealand every year. Cannabis has the safest history for a recreational substance, recreational any, any against any other category. It's the safest, lowest risk recreational social tonic ever in New Zealand history. Um, So it's, yeah, we hope that common sense will prevail, Abe,
0: but uh, you know,
1: after we've exhausted all other possibilities, eh? (laughs) it's,
0: It's interesting and confusing for people like me because, you know, uh the from the viewpoint of the industry, uh they're very excited about this legislation. and as you say, cannabis law reformers, and I myself, when I you know think about it in pure logic, am very excited about this legislation. But then you have the strange thing that uh you know the prohibitionists are also very yeah. excited about this legislation, yeah. and this yeah. is Peter Dunn's you know yeah. legislative baby. This is gonna make or break his career. Yeah. Um, Absolutely it is. And yep. he's enthusiastic about it, so there seems to be some sort of cognitive yeah, dissonance um, in terms That's of funny. what the outcome of this legislation actually yeah. will be. You know, I mean, yeah. is it the case that the bar is going to be set so high that nothing will get through except for cans of V as Peter Dunn oh. uh, appeared to state? Of course, yeah. then that the government...
1: That was government... Of him to say that. That was very... Uh, you know, he shouldn't have said that. And, but that, then, of course, means, you know, yeah.
0: the Government is caught in the trap of if they set the mm. bar too high, then there's uh, you know all this evidence of the harms of alcohol slapping them in mm. the face. They just Why deliberately nice. decided not to legislate to mitigate those harms. So how could they mm. be seen to be setting this threshold, um, you know, to be so insurmountable when we tolerate? A considerable amount of harm from our other social yeah. tonics, as you say. Of course, if they Pretty set the bar...
1: It's hypocritical, isn't that?
0: And, of course, if they set the bar too low, then, you know, um, everything wow. that's basically out there now... Is going to get through. It's not going to placate the moralists and the prohibitionists whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And basically, regardless of whether they set the bar high or low, you know, we in the cannabis lobby uh, can be confident that, as you say, cannabis would pass the test no matter oh, how yeah. high the yeah. bar is set. Um, so, how can Peter Dunn and Leo Shepp be publicly advocating for a situation like this to occur? You know what? They're doing it purely because
1: they're under political pressure to do it. It's a very easy, cheap political point scoring, um, position to take to be seen to be tough on drugs. Look, most people that watch the news, the Six Watt News, are very conservative, tend to be, uh, you know, more advanced in years than many of your listeners tonight, Abe, and that, that's what they want to hear, right? These are the people that they're communicating with. But the reality of this bill is that if the bars too high and nothing is licensed then it's just prohibition and the bill is a failure it's a technical failure and it's a very very public embarrassment to the government not just here but overseas as well because we'd be the laughing stock if done doesn't make this work the way it was originally intended to work and the industry has been involved uh, in discussion with the government on this bill for probably 10 maybe longer years. So there's been a heck of a lot of groundwork. And now to see it rush through at this last minute is very unfortunate. Uh, And it's only come about because of the media-created sensationalism and and moral panic that's um, really out of touch with reality. And, And just to give your listeners a bit of perspective on that, because you've seen a lot of negative pressure around synthetic cannabis. What I'll tell you is this, and this is uh, matched up with the the stats in Australia, is that less than 1% of people who uh, smoke synthetic cannabis ever present for medical attention. That's Pretty staggering. The other staggering statistic, and we don't want to diminish the fact that some people have had some very negative effects. You know, if you drink three bottles of vodka, you'd have a very negative effect too. And and what we've seen, Abe, is that every single time someone's presented for medical attention, there has been abuse of the product or polydrug use. So um, what we're we're saying to the public is that if you consume this product uh, with a, a sense of restraint, according to directions and that's gauge impact, take a few paths, sit down, wait, gauge impact, move forward gently, uh, especially for the first-time consumers, there's negligible chance of ever having an issue. There's more chance of having an accident walking across the road in Auckland than having an accident with synthetic cannabis. It's just that low risk. So those are the facts, and yet that doesn't sell newspapers. Much better to talk about a 12-year-old kid who goes crazy and beats up his mum. That makes sense. That sells newspapers. They need eyeballs. So the media really, really grabbed this one and exaggerated the heck out of it. And and, and they've created a moral panic that resulted in the industry having to retire the brand that was demonized the most. And that's K2, Mm. a very, very popular product enjoyed by tens of thousands of kiwis every week in New Zealand. Many of whom still uh not happy about this. Um, that was under pressure from the media. The product was actually retired just to take the steam out of all the hate at this critical time and this policy as it comes through Parliament.
0: Interesting, isn't it? And I mean, in many ways, the... um The continual bans that have driven this cat and mouse game, you know, while you say, of course, the statistics, it's not an an epidemiological phenomenon we're seeing with harm. It is cherry-picked cases by the media, some of which appear to be quite serious. But the most serious ones are from these newest compounds, and the original compounds, like the old-school Chronic that was so popular that originally set people off, appear to have been much less harmful, although still clearly more harmful than natural cannabis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing, though. People haven't been abusing this product as much as just recently. I mean, since 2001, synthetic cannabis has been available in New Zealand, right? Right. But it's only really been the last six months we're seeing a big increase in abuse. And the reason for that is, and we've looked into it, Talked with all the retailers, and the stats tell us that these are first-time consumers that are curious to try the product, thinking it's going to be banned in August. They see all this press, they think, "Gee, well, that must be the one. That one. That one freaked out Now that got them way. So let's try that." And these first-time consumers are abusing the product and getting into trouble. And of and, course, uh, um, no one's going
0: to yeah. pretend that there aren't uh, obviously some individual irresponsible operators within the industry, no, um, you know, abusing not. the system.
1: Correct, especially at retail. I mean, you know, the Star Trust has for a long time done whatever we can to try and advocate to get this product out of dairies, which has caused most concern amongst communities, especially in the South Island. And yet, even though we've heard many cases of dairies breaching the law and selling to underages, the police refuse to prosecute one single dairy. And yet they're down in the newspaper standing up and saying what they're doing to keep the community from this evil drug. Why don't they make an example one of these dairies, which is causing all this harm? Mm. I mean, why don't they? Why don't they actually stick one in front of the courts and prosecute them? Not one, Abe, and that's. To me, sounds like a PR job. You know, it's like a cheap political point to say they're protecting the community against this dangerous cannabis, and then not do a single thing.
0: Well, not to, to mention, um, you know, s- stirring up a torches and pitchforks mob mentality yeah. against sort of unsuspecting well, small business owners. Yeah.
1: Listen, these dairies are selling cigarettes, tobacco, which killed four thousand New Zealanders last year. They should be picketing dairies for tobacco, not cannabis.
0: Well, the same people were complaining when the cigarettes sort of went behind the counter, and now they, uh, you know, but they don't want them to sell K2. I'm interested, you know, from my perspective, a lot of this has been driven directly by uh, a character here in the uh, Dunedin National Poison Center, Leo Shep, um, and, and he seems to be coming from a purely sort of personal, religious, moral perspective that all drugs are bad, and uh, he's doing whatever he can to ban them one after one. Uh, is, is that a fair assessment? Have you dealt with him? What's your opinion of his efforts?
1: I- Look, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Leo, um, not for lack of time. Um, I was actually hoping to meet him at the meeting in Timaru. That was uh, last, the week, actually the week of the vote on TV3, so two weeks ago. Um, but he actually didn't want me at that meeting. Now, I've been to community meetings meet in Dunedin. I'm going to one on Tuesday in Invercargill, and I always enjoy going to them, as challenging as they can be. Uh, and I'm there to listen. I'm not there to preach or do anything, I just want to learn so I can get all that information from the coalface, take that back and advise industry accordingly. But um, he didn't want me at that meeting in Timaru. Uh, which uh, was quite disappointing because I would have thought that it would be much better for harm minimisation to build bridges than build walls uh, and certainly that's always been our approach is open engagement with uh, the police, the politicians and the public wherever possible and now that the industry has uh, a body that can represent it and be a contact point for some of these concerns you'd like to think that the community would take advantage of that but, uh, no,
0: Leo, Leo doesn't want to talk to the industry. Well, so that's a shame. That's I think a real shame. You know, I mean, the, happy to, talk to them. these prohibitionists never want to really defend themselves with any sort of yeah, uh, rebuttal yeah, or the debate. Eh? Well, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, they just want to give the PowerPoint, get in, get out, you know, yeah, give a few yeah, quotes yeah. to the newspaper who have this predetermined agenda. You know, I mean, yeah. in many ways, um, you know, we should uh, sort of, congratulate um, Mike Sabin and what's-her-face the crazy mayor of Timaru <laughs> oh Janie the mayor of Timaru yeah for um, yeah. showing up but making absolute fools of themselves um, yeah a- at least they're, yeah, they're willing to wear the prohibitionism on their sleeve but it's obvious when they do just how sort of brain-dead they are and anybody who sort of claims to be an academic they just can't front up to this sort of illogic in public yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. And um, prohibition is indefensible, especially when you look at all the evidence. All right, you can, once you take the emotion out of it and you look at the evidence, not just here, but overseas everywhere, it's, it's been completely discredited. Uh, not only does it um, not work, it actually causes a huge increase in negative social consequences, and that's one of the main reasons why we need to end prohibition in New Zealand.
0: So, you know, if this... Uh legislation does turn out to be prohibition by a different name. I mean, there's basically two ways it can go. It can either be what what we want and hope it to be and they'll say that it's prohibition and that will make them feel comfortable and that's fine by me or mm-hmm they will change it to the point where it actually will be prohibition. And that, you know, will basically be unacceptable and a failure, as you say. But what do you think the practical consequences of that will be? Obviously, the industry will be uh, done. A change of government. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hopefully a change of government. I mean, we, um, as an as a organization that advocates for drug policy reform, we take heart in some of the connections we've made uh, in Parliament in fact, i in Wellington again on Wednesday talking to an MP there and I can assure you that there is a lot of empathy for the silent majority who came out last Wednesday night and voted with their conscience. It was a huge um, vote and victory for common sense. People are ready for decriminalisation at the very least. I think legalisation is uh, essential to make it work properly. And if you look at what's happening overseas, particularly in the US, I'm sure most of your listeners are aware of what's happening there, Um, we can take great... Uh, courage and confidence from that if they can make it work there it's going to be pretty easy here, in fact it's embarrassing that New Zealand's so far behind on this issue of social reform when we tend to lead the way uh, in terms of social reform on this issue when it comes to cannabis we are sadly way behind and it's actually getting a little bit embarrassing to be a Kiwi isn't it? when you go overseas and you're talking to your friends who are smokers and they're saying what is going on in New Zealand um, but there are politicians there I can assure you that have a great sympathy for this cause and I would imagine that if we had a change of government I think it would be on the agenda and I think it's probably I, I've, I've predicted that cannabis will be legal in New Zealand in 2016 um, and I say that because that's when we have the UN convention on drugs control that comes up where hopefully uh, nations can get their sovereignty back and not have to sign up to this brutal law that actually Loses a country's sovereignty and forces you to schedule certain drugs. Um, I'm, I'm guessing 2016, cannabis will be legal in New Zealand. Well, uh, fingers crossed, and you know <laughs> we. <laughs> yeah, you got, you've got uh, to put you've got to put a line in the sand somewhere, eh? Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done before then. Well, and, like, of, and of course, you know, the public, the public have an appetite for this. And uh, a Helen... clear mandate now. There's a clear mandate out there. If someone wants to pick up and run with it.
0: And Helen Clark, uh, you know, seems to have been testing the waters uh, a little while yeah. back, anyways. And sure yeah, as you say, uh, you know, things things are happening. Uh, this sort of silent majority, the tri- taboo, was well and truly broken mm. uh, during the vote. And uh, you know, we're going to be talking later in the show about some campaigns that sort of may see the momentum of this uh continue so it's mm-hmm. all it's all very good and uh you know we appreciate you taking the time to discuss with us and um My you pleasure. know it's uh very important to have you as part of that rich tapestry of the debate that's going <laughs> on right now thank you
1: thank you very much abe and um yeah have a happy queen's birthday weekend down there in otago
0: indeed we will cheers totally good all right, cheers bye-bye that was Grant Hall of the Star Trust, Social Tonics Advocacy and Research, taking some heat in the synthetics debate. But, uh, you know, as bad as uh, you may synth- think synthetics are, clearly uh, prohibition is worse. We've seen the consequences, and prohibition of cannabis is what created this whole situation in the first place. So, shouldn't be too hard to fix that.